0: So, shall we start? Yes,
1: let's start. You do the
0: intro from Thailand. So, welcome to Reactive. Uh, I'm Khalil and I'm here with Henning. Hello. Hello. So, unfortunately, we're not with Raquel tonight because she is um, hanging out with... (laughs) What is she hanging out with? Uh, I guess Wombats. Wombats. And uh, of I think there's uh, like a wombat wedding or something like that going on. <laughs> and of course, she is. Uh, she needs to needs to be there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Somewhere on the east coast, I hear. <clears throat> uh, yes. yes. <clears throat> and you, you're uh, you're actually calling in from pretty far away this time.
0: Yeah, I'm calling in from from Thailand. Um, so far, I have not seen. Uh, what was it the Javan rhinoceros, whatever? <laughs> yeah,
1: the rhino with bats, and we were also speculating on the false killer whales. Yeah
0: the false I killer think.
1: whales which yeah, the false killer whale. that's an
0: awesome name for for uh, an animal. Uh, yeah.
1: but no, I haven't seen that.
0: So far, I have seen uh, various insects and um, what else? Uh, yeah, just like a... oh, there was like a, a monitor lizard like they're like big lizards even though they can become like super long like one and a half meters or something but this one was still pretty pretty short but that was cool (laughs) this is running running around is that a lizard or or like an iguana or uh they're called monitor lizards i
1: have to look that up yeah Yeah,
0: gotta look that up they're pretty cool they look like they're like dinosaur dinosaurs you know like little dinosaurs that just yeah walk around on the porch (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife really hates them. She's, she was. Just oh a, really? <laughs> yeah. She's just They're creepy. Huh, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no. Uh, other than that, just a beautiful ocean and and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, coconut water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young. Coconut well, we saw water. some
1: pictures of uh, of your feet in the yes. sand. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's important to make a picture of your feet when you're on vacation.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. To prove <laughs>
0: that you're there, yeah. you're actually in front of. Well, so someone. you're having a
1: good time. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice it's, a, it's a good
0: timeout, You know, like we really needed that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. So that's Very cool. Nice. But
0: uh, yeah, but what's going
1: on uh, over there? I've been out of the loop. Uh, um, I'm not too much more in the loop than you are um, <laughs> for reasons I shall reveal sometime in the near future. All right. But um, yeah, I saw a blurb that uh, Electron reached uh, 1.0, and um, it's it's something that I really, really, really want to try for one of my projects. I uh, just haven't gotten around to actually seriously looking into it. I, I sort of played around with it and just got an Ember app. Well, can't really say Ember app. Sort of just a, you know, the out of the box Ember thing to work and um, played around with the menu. You know how you can basically uh, configure or um, write a menu <clears throat> to. Do various things I think I got as far as uh, just you know quitting the app um, and then you know running the uh, um, the dev tools inside of it while it's running and running up the like the ember inspector in there so you can do all of all of those things which is really neat and the thing that that kind of confused me uh, at first is like okay I really really want to use ember data because um, that's just you know this drop in. Uh, data layer where I don't have to do anything when I have an API backend. But if you want to write an app that actually just has data locally, then you know, I was like, well, what do I do now? It doesn't really make sense to to you know run a node server or or um, to serve up an API in your own app. I mean mm-hmm. that's kind of silly. So what I guess you can do is you can write adapters to talk directly to the file system, mm-hmm. and for example, you could just um, right, an adapter for Ember data that talks to uh, SQLite. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's something I really want to look into. And then I just tried to um, build existing um, projects like Ghost. Um, The source code for that is out there. And I I don't know why I didn't spend enough time on it, but I wasn't able to actually build it successfully. And um, so just poking around in in other people's code to see how they do things. Um, Because at the time I did that, the docs were kind of light. But you know, like I said, it's uh, as of, I think it was last week, or in the last few days at least, it reached 1.0, which is pretty cool. And of course, you know, Atom um, is built on top of that, mm-hmm. I believe, also Visual Studio Code. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of things, and Slack, Slack and uh, a yeah. bunch of other things, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah it's pretty cool. It's- Pretty much the state state of the art uh, thing if you want to use JavaScript to create a desktop application, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's so weird that you, from from in your front end app you can actually talk. You can just use Node mod- modules. That's just that's a sort of a weird thing. Yeah. So, and you can talk directly to the file system. So kind of neat. Pretty
0: sweet. Yep. I mean, it must be tons of boilerplates and stuff like that for. What kinds of stuff? The yeah. Ember stuff. Or uh or maybe even like an add-on for Ember C L I or something like that? Did you ever Yeah, understand? there is one. Um yeah.
1: there's one being maintained by a Microsoft open source person, Felix something or other. Uh, and he gave a talk, I think, at Ember Emberconf. <coughs> I didn't see that, but um <clears throat> it seems like you just basically uh yeah. Use that add-on, and you pretty much out of the box have um, have an Electron app. And the cool thing here too is, and I think that's one of the the appeals, is that you can build it cross-platform, so you can you can target Windows, OS X, and Linux. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: By the way, did you uh, did you uh, watch the the EmberConf keynote?
1: I yeah, have not. It's have no? it's on my list. I have the link in my in my inbox, but I do not. I have not had the time to watch it yet. I okay. hear though from the few podcasts that I've been listening to that it was really really good mm-hmm. as, yeah. Usual. Yeah, so, as
0: usual. <laughs> yeah, as usual. Yeah. I also didn't uh, watch it yet, so I'm. I definitely have
1: that on my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, I hear it, I hear lots of good things. I mean, I've heard several several podcasts now. Um, that did sort of a summary of EmberConf, and um, yeah. it's bigger and better than ever. So, pretty good.
0: Yeah. So what? So like a main thing that I heard was that they are kind of pushing to go back to the web to make the web great again, or whatever. You know, like so pushing against the um, React Native um, yep. and also native script with Angular movement where people are writing JavaScript and then generate actual native UIs they are really insisting on um, making Ember work on mobile um, and make it, and they really wanted to compete with the native experience so that's pretty exciting, that's pretty cool they're they're taking this stance
1: was being the SDK for the web right, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i don't um I don't know if that's i think eventually it'll work and i think if if you have enough people pushing at that and that's what it takes right is is for people to to constantly push the envelope and move things forward so uh, they move in the right direction so i'm yeah. very very curious to hear uh, or to see how that evolves
0: yeah I'm very happy that they that there is somebody who is kind of taking that on you know like and especially uh, such a uh, amazing group of people like the ember community yeah yeah because it's it's kind of like i mean i think it's a good compromise to have something like native script or react native, native and it's it seems to work really well for for people and it's um and it's it's pretty cool, and it really is, like a lot of your business logic you can really transport from one app to the other, so from one platform to the other on mobile and stuff like that. So that's that is that is a cool kind of way around the performance problem in the UI in the browser. But um, it's really really important, I think, that there's a lot of people still kind of pushing pushing the web forward and the mobile web especially and making javascript apps work really well on all kinds of devices because ultimately once that once that is really easy for people to do then this is going to be yeah pretty amazing just as if you know because you because i mean the benefit is clear it's just like you will roll out one app and it's it works everywhere right and um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and there are still some people working hard, and I, I love that the Ember communities or the Ember people really want to push that because they they are like a a huge force, and they bring a huge community. And then there's also other people that are um, <clears throat> that were working hard on that, like at Google and stuff. And I think Henrik Yoriteg is also really a proponent of that, so that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're taking quite a few steps in that direction. I mean Ember Fastboot is is getting there slowly. And I think Gloomer mm-hmm. 2 mm-hmm. is a, uh, is another complete rewrite of their rendering layer. Mm-hmm. And I think Fastboot will help mobile quite a bit because you can basically render on the server <clears throat> and yep. send, you know, the first or the initial load to, to the device or, you know, any, any device, I guess, but, and then in the background, it'll load in the JavaScript, um, as, uh, yeah, as bandwidth bandwidth permits, but that way you don't get such a, a really bad experience if you have to ship the whole app on the first um, load. Yeah,
0: yeah. There was actually a, an interesting argument that one of the one of the Googlers made. Um, I forget the name right now. Um, just one one a uh, Chrome, Google Chrome advocate or something like that. Anyway, he was talking about he was kind of contrasting the. Uh, universal JavaScript to the non-universal JavaScript, and he had like some intermediate version of it. Where be- and he was basically saying that that um, um, so so the non-universal JavaScript that's not rendered on the server um, or JavaScript application that's not rendered on the server um, has the obvious problem, right? That it all renders in the browser. You have to wait for the JavaScript to load, and only then it's rendered, and only then you see something, and so f- and so forth. And Mm -hmm. then the the universal JavaScript can have the problem. And I think that Ember Fastboot not necessarily does have that problem, but it can have the problem that you render the stuff on the server, it gets sent to the mobile browser um, as a static HTML and CSS and so forth, and then the user can't do anything with it. But Mm -hmm. I I, I know that definitely in Ember Fastboot, as long as... So everything that y- that is basically served by a route in Ember, <clears throat> you can still use if the JavaScript is not there yet, right? That's something that actually Tom Dale showed last year, where you could still use, you could click around even though the JavaScript was not loaded, and it would just go back to the server and then re-render, you know the app right. as html and you would still you know see some, you know like the new state of the application uh, but if you are clicking on something and um whatever you're clicking on is supposed to you know to do something but that is not being managed by a route then it's managed by by javascript some event in, inside of the application or something like that then this will not work
1: uh, and, okay
0: Right, and it's only going to work when the JavaScript takes over. So what you're going to do is kind of you're going to buffer events that the user does that are not served by the router, and then you're going to replay everything once the JavaScript is there. But that is also difficult because you don't want to suddenly like the app to explode and kind of (laughs) (laughs) you know all kind of like doing stuff without the user really expecting it. So there was like a middle middle path thingy that he proposed, which was that you serve you serve just a subset of the application you serve a subset of the application uh, via HTML, and then as the JavaScript is streaming to the browser you kind of unlock features and then show them to the user Oh wow Something like that, or maybe just show them enabled, disabled, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that you have like a visual cue for the user to see that oh, this is now active. I can use this. I can use that, and so and so forth. So um, that is an interesting view on this, and um, but I don't really know if it is a problem for a typical Ember application, though. Because yeah. at, because with a typical Ember application, like if you have to do, like let's take the to do example. If you have like a to do list, you have like a list of to dos. You have different states like toggle a to do um, uh, uh, checked or not checked, or or you have like an edit state. Stuff like that. So so at least edit states or new to-do and stuff like that, that would all be kind of managed by by routes. So that would definitely be there, but I don't know if like a checked state or something like that is really, that's not really managed by a route. It's mm-hmm. just in the HTML needs to be, I mean, it needs to be synchronized to the server at some point when the JavaScript is there or something like that. So right. there's, there's, a, there's it's interesting how once you have this new kind of paradigm right this new idea that you have universal javascript um meaning it's rendered on the server and then as html it's sent to the browser and then javascript take, takes over when the first time you think about it you you think this is genius and this is actually not that hard but then what once you really think about it and you really try it out i think there are so many kind of edge cases new edge cases that you never have to never had to deal with before uh, that are kind of popping up that you need to deal with.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I think there's a, there's also the, the issue that I, I don't fully understand, but basically, yeah, because the JavaScript has to run in in Node, I guess. Yeah. Ember has to run in Node, and all the components have to be able to fetch their information or basically talk to the API locally um, versus, you know, when it's on the device there's a whole bunch of problems there too that i guess they have to um you know make the various components that are out there today uh work on mm-hmm. fast boot it's not like an automatic thing i guess they have a few a few things to 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 modify for that to function as well but there's a there's a fair amount of um sort of a uh, I don't know publicity or, or exposure um, for this kind of stuff. Uh, for example, the Ember Weekend uh, team, um, you know, the podcast—they are actually building their um, podcast app on this stack. It's basically Phoenix, FastBoot, and Ember, and then of course Dockyard. They are they're on that stack as well. And I think there's a a series of blog articles coming out now by I think it's Mike North. <clears throat> he's a very uh, a good teacher basically for for Ember and uh I took a uh, a seminar or a, a workshop with him and he's also writing a bunch of uh articles sort of a series of articles on how to how to create uh an Ember app with Phoenix and um yeah Phoenix and Ember mm-hmm. uh, sort of from scratch. And I, I think Fastboot is part of that as well. Hmm. So um, there's, there's uh, documentation out there, example code is out there. And uh, so very curious to see how that evolves. Cool.
0: Very interesting. Yep. What is this uh, podcast app? That they're building
1: not podcast app. Sorry, it's their it's their website. Basically, oh, they oh. their their podcast website is an Ember app. Okay, okay. And they are they discuss um, basically how they're building it. You know, on the show sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, they've used the various uh, technologies and and, and add ons for that. And they've even done sort of like um, live coding sessions on which one is it now? Live coding TV, I think. Mm. So that's kind of neat so you can watch them do that and so they talk about it quite a bit but it's all open source as well so that's kind of cool. That's awesome. Cool.
0: Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a good idea to to as a as a developer podcast just use that stuff to make your your podcast yep. website. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, so I have to do some backpedaling on something I said on the last time I was on which was like what, like, or was it the? Was True. it actually the last time I was on? I don't know when we were talking about bu- buble or bubler or whatever it's, kind of, yep. kind of, it's supposed to be pronounced. Anyway, the um, so basically I did something stupid where I um, did an assumption based on a tweet by somebody who was not the author of the framework, and I said something like um, that. It that I I I kind of assumed that maybe buble is. Um, uh, 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 or th- or th- or that that what what Buble is doing is a sign of immaturity of the developer. And of course, when the developer found out that I said that, he was very angry at me. <laughs> so so yes. I had I I um uh yeah. So I totally uh, I totally apologized for that because that was really uh, stupid. Um, to to just assume that because. It was really just based on a tweet that I saw that some where somebody commented on, on Buble, and so um, um, I think that he that he um, accepted my apology, and he also said that he would want to explain to me what his thinking is behind Buble and and um, what the benefits are and so forth, and um, I was very happy. To, to to learn more about it and and he told me to uh, write him an email but um and he was but he said I think he responded back he said that uh, he got the email but he is currently very busy and he's gonna he's gonna write me back eventually but so far I didn't get anything from him so the okay. the, the only thing is so um there was I saw some more um, so the thing is I have a concern so far with the whole project because. And I hope that, that um you know I just also have to look at the documentation and see what what, what he's writing on, on the page and stuff like that and just dive into the, the the only the only concern that there could be is that if he is if so he's transpiling ESX ES six to ES five with this project. And if um and I, and somebody was treating out like two sets of code like a uh, uh you know ES6 code transpiled by Bublé and the same code transpiled by um babel and the babel code was much bigger uh, it was more code because there were certain edge cases that ne- needed to be kind of handled because it's trying to implement the code by um after the spec and uh, the Buble code was was just smaller. The problem is with this might be, could be, in the future that if you write um, an application and you use Buble to transpile your code and there are some edge cases in your code that are not covered per the spec in the Buble transpilation, once you, you turn Buble off, and just use your um, ES6 code because now the browsers can handle it and Node can handle it or whatever. You might run into some problems and some very uh, difficult to debug things. So that's the only kind of concern that that I might have with this project. But um, I don't know um, what the thinking really is, and so I will definitely look forward. I'm looking forward to the the to the email and. Um, yeah, and basically we'll follow up on the show as once I have more information and I look more into it. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's Very basically good. it. <coughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it happens. Sometimes sometimes one forgets that people listen to the show. <laughs>
1: uh, what do you mean? It's not just us talking amongst us?
0: <laughs> I might know it is, but yeah. You know yeah. how what happens when it goes out, the audio goes out to the world and mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. we had a, uh, I think we, I don't know, it must have been months ago. I think Raquel said that, you know, Twitter was thinking about changing the way they uh, are going to treat uh, the character limits. And I saw this blurb on uh, some news site the other day that... um they are going to stop counting photo li- photo and links basically mm-hmm. in the 140 character limit. This I guess this is not official, but supposedly it's from someone that is close to the project, and it's supposed to happen within the next few weeks. So that'll expand your ability to write just a tad more if you also have links in your tweets.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really cool. This is really cool because because mostly you kind of you always assume the text that you write, or it kind of feels like you you know even even now once uh, after right you know being on Twitter for such a long time, it kind of always feels like I have those hundred forty characters to write my tweet. And as soon as you have a link and a photo in there, then suddenly it's just like a uh, hundred or whatever, right? Or yeah. uh, below hundred. And and it's always like it throws you off, and it there's like if you just want to comment on whatever you, those links are, and it's just really it's very constricting. So I'm I'm actually excited about this. I think this is a really cool way to kind of start start um, um, jacking up the number of characters that you are allowed to write in a tweet. So.
1: Yeah, cool. I agree. I mean, that's it gets. You have to get very creative and yeah. cut down words and take out words and shorten things up when you want to do that, or write multiple tweets. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's um, in favor of that for sure. And I, I'm seeing this whole thing that we had already discussed. You know, where people are basically creating a, an image of some text and yeah, embedding exactly. that in order yeah. to expand their um, <laughs> basically the character limit. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more and more of that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There's a lot of that going on, especially since uh, whenever you have a picture in your tweet, you get more engagement because mm-hmm. people just don't scroll past the picture as quickly as they scroll past just text. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody learns the trick. Now everybody does it, and then everybody, <laughs> and then just text is is becoming the new thing again <laughs> okay, at some point yeah
1: yeah exactly.:
0: Yeah, so um, what else was going on? So we definitely. so what I saw th- so there is a really cool um, I don't know how I found this thing on Twitter where there is this author. I, I think I just somebody retweeted it and, and I stumbled upon this story. There's this author, um, he wrote a book. I didn't read it. Uh, It's called "Have a Dumb." uh, No, it's called "A Man Made Entirely of Bats." That's the title of the book. (laughs) Okay. And 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 this guy is called he's he's called Patrick Lenton, and that's also his Twitter um, account. And he um, went about to to kind of tell stories like life stories from his actual life or childhood or whatever on Twitter as like little tweet storms and um, those stories are just like really really funny and mostly have like a cool little twist in the end that is really surprising and it's just so entertaining and funny that uh, I thought it was would be cool to mention I think uh, I have a link here to one of those stories we'll just put it in the show notes it's it's really funny it's just like something about when he were, went to school and he was bullied or the one story that i read the first story was so hilarious he was basically the story was about um when he was young at some point i don't know young whatever like in teenager or something he one of his first jobs was uh to work in some kind of some kind of um what's what's, what's it called in a dock or something, I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, just where, like, there's workers and they carry things from one place to the other and stuff like that. And, I don't know, use machines to do things and stuff like that. So he was working there and he he got a job by just showing up or something and saying, "Uh, I want a job. And said, okay, we can give you something here, do this. And um, so he was kind of, so he came in and those people, they, they um, so his co-workers I don't know how you describe it but they were kind of um i think uh like shady or something like that and they wanted to invite him to a to a strip bar or something a weird place to go where they always go or whatever and he decided not to go and the next day he was working like in the basement um which where he was just folding t-shirts or something i have no idea if i'm getting the story right but like the details, but that's that's the gist of it. You had to do something um, tedious, basically, in the basement. And then <clears> – <throat> and it's just like the, the way how he tells the story on Twitter is just like so funny. Like it's a really good – So this is told just author. in tweets? Just in tweets. It just goes on and on. It's like 20 tweets or something like that. And in the end, <laughs> like the the twist of the story, like the thing is like he went on a vacation and then he came back and everybody pretended like – he, they didn't know him when he came back to to, to this uh, <laughs> to this to his job, and he went to the to the office there, to the HR people or whatever, and said, "Hey, um, I work here. What's going on? Like, why no, nobody recognizes me?" <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we don't really have any. We don't have any documents <laughs> about you. We don't know who you are and stuff." And he he even saw people that he worked with, and they also like purposefully like look past him or whatever. And I think he worked there another day maybe or something or whatever, but then it was over basically. And then he found out like years later or, or months later or something like that, that those, um, (laughs) those workers were running like a smuggler ring or something like that. Nice. That in that, uh, in that place where they were working, that's why he was banned down to the basement to do the tedious work because so that he can't see um, what they're doing upstairs. And they did that because he didn't come to this bar with them where they would have maybe tested him or tried to kind of mm-hmm. incorporate him into this whole smuggler ring or something. Yeah. yeah, so that was a cool twist in the end. Anyway, um, that's pretty a cool. New a new art
1: form, telling stories on Twitter. I mean, that's Twitter weird. is
0: really great for authors, you know, authors, people who like to write for that they, they they love Twitter mostly, and this is just a way how you can use it. And he just like he um, he does that he or at least seem to do it on a regular basis. Now I think I, I saw two or three of those stories, and uh, it's pretty funny. So cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Put a send a send a link, and we'll put that in there. Yeah,
0: definitely do that. Yeah.
1: Check it out. Put it all together. All right. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: And so there's some other stuff Parsi McParseface, face did you uh did you see that no so, <laughs> first of all, do you know what the Parsi mcparse face is I mean like the name thing is Did we talk about that i don't know There was this research. Ship like research, oh, vessel. yeah, yeah. The
1: ship, na- I knew it was in, I thought it was the ship name, but I wasn't yeah, sure anymore. exactly.
0: It was Bodie McBoatface, right? So, there, w- there was like this thing where there was this research vessel, uh, Royal Research Vessel in the UK or something, where um, the internet was invited to make uh, suggestions for the name.
1: Right? Oh, jeez, yeah.
0: So, so Bodie McBoatface was like super high up or was like. <laughs> the highest rated name or something like that. And it actually was given, I think... The I think you put this in, in Slack. That's where I saw it. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and and it made the rounds on the internet like crazy, of course, because it was so funny just to have a research, a royal research vessel called Boating Like Vote Face, which is because it's, <laughs> it's so serious, you know, like going on a, you know... You know, research blah, 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 out in the world, blah blah blah. Anyway, but I think um, they shut it down. It's going to be called something boring. Anyway. Um, really? So
1: They're not going to use it?
0: No, no, I don't think. Uh. It was just like in the running, and it was like the highest rating what? So the the, the article okay. that I sent around was actually very misleading. The title was was kind of um, something like. A uh, research vessel about to be named Bodie McBoatface and McBoat or something like that. But then in the article, they actually wrote that it was a suggestion that got you know a lot of attention and a lot of votes, but it, it was not decided. Like there is like some committee or something like that that can overrule the internet votes and stuff like that. So,
1: ah, lame. Mm.
0: <laughs> totally lame. Like it would have been. Like everybody would have been like nobody cares about the boat anymore. Like,
1: yeah, it'd be every, the most famous ship ever. It would
0: totally be the most famous ship forever. <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing, but no, they didn't want all that fame, I guess. Can't help it. Yeah. Anyway, so Google is picking up the like, slack with the naming thing, and so what they did is they announced SyntaxNet, the world's most accurate parser, and it's open source now. Uh, they announced the open sourcing of it. And there is, so, so it is a parser for natural language, right? And they made, hold on, so what it's, um, so, um, so and they say in their press release, our release includes all the code needed to train new syntax net models on your own data, as well as Parsey MacParseface, an English parser that we have trained for you and that you can use to analyze English text. Right? So so parsing McParseface is an is a parser that is that uses syntax net in order to um to uh, parse English natural language. Huh. So, so everybody can now parse lang- natural natural language with this.
1: Very cool. So when you say parse na- natural language like for purposes of translation or what? <clears throat> Like I can't, uh, yeah. What, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Yeah, basically figuring out what uh, I mean, I, what the sentences mean. I think so. There's mm-hmm. all, there's all kinds of. Let uh, me see. There's a GIF here. Book the ticket. Yeah. So is
1: this something that comes out of their um, out of their search engine research? I mean, because that's what they need. That sort of type of thing, I would think, to interpret their their strings and stuff like
0: that as well. I'm just going to read more from this thing. So at Google, we spend a lot of time thinking about how computer systems can read and understand human language in order to process it in intelligent ways. Today, we are excited to share the fruits of our research with the broader community by releasing SyntaxNet, an open source neural network framework implemented in TensorFlow that provides a foundation for natural language understanding systems. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, does that mean that it's about, like, voice commands and stuff like that? So, it is, is
1: it, I, from what I can tell, it's to understand the meaning of a sentence, which… Yes. Um,
0: that's also what I'm getting here. Yeah.
1: You know, which is very difficult, I think, in, yeah. in many cases, because it's ambiguous and it depends on context and all this kind of stuff. You yeah, know?
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. So, wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of that. Stuff They have this whole computer vision uh, system that, they're, that they've open sourced as well, or at least made accessible. So this is very interesting. They're releasing all this stuff.
0: So here's some more info. On a standard benchmark consisting of randomly drawn English newswire sentences, the 20-year-old Penn Treebank, parsing the parse phase recovers individual dependencies between words with over 94% accuracy beating our own previous state of the art results, which are already better than any previous approach. Yeah. Hmm. So if you're into that stuff, I guess that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Skynet is coming. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's already called something with an S and then a net at the end, so syntax net.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: not far from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool, and um, oh yeah, so did you see did you see Anatin? I don't know how to pronounce this Anatin it's this uh, this wrapper that Sindra Sorhus wrote for the new mobile Twitter app. So if you go to mobile.twitter.com, you'll see that uh, Twitter has a, a new design for the mobile version for the mobile web version, right
1: mm-hmm.
0: And um it's pretty nice, you know. It's uh it's just very slick and very clean. And actually uh and it invites people to kind of switch to just using that instead of the whatever Twitter apps that you have on your desktop. And what the Native Twitter app, wow. Sorry? Yeah.
1: Well it's th- interesting, yeah. I have to check that out.
0: Well, so what what uh Sindra did is that he wrapped he, he's ra- wrapping this um this app in I think electron I guess and um and so you can use it as a desktop application and you just have this mobile Twitter um view and it's pretty nice it's uh, it's pretty cool you can install it uh really easily with uh, homebrew but there's also installs for for um uh, Linux and Windows
1: stuff like that so man where does that guy take to get the time it's crazy <laughs> so <laughs> so, I, so much it's amazing so actually he's he's uh,
0: as far as i know he's fun employed uh, ah. so he uh, because i know andre um, one of my ex colleagues from etecture was also a reactivist <laughs> um, he went to thailand I think uh, like a few months ago, and he met with Sindri because Sindri is currently a lot of his time. He's just spending hanging out in Bangkok, and um, he met with him and just you know they had a, had you know coffee somewhere and just chatted and stuff. And apparently, um, that's all he's doing. Like he's he's hanging out wherever he wants to hang out, and he's just working on an open source. He has like he has some savings and kind of is living off of that. And of course, in Bangkok, you can really live well off of a little money. You know? Huh. Interesting. So, so that's your answer. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he, he came out with that um, the GitHub augmentation plugin where he basically, you know, fixed it up the way he wanted and made it nicer yeah, exactly. in his opinion. I never looked at it, but. Yeah, and uh, now this and pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and he's also doing Ava, uh, Ava JS, which oh, is yeah. this uh, testing library, mm-hmm. which is also pretty cool. So, yeah, he's doing. And he
1: has already stuff. what, like five or seven hundred NPM modules or something. Yeah. Well, if that's all you do, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean his name when you when you search for stuff his name comes up a lot. Of course. And it's notes. I mean
0: yeah. for me it's such a like it's a, it's like such a stamp of um well how would you say like a stamp of quality or just like yes. uh, a sign that whenever whenever I'm so whenever I'm googling or no, I'm searching for an npm module and I find something by Sindre, I will always pick his because yeah. I can trust mostly. You can trust to 99 percent, 99.99 whatever percent, that it's going to be like really robust and really well, you know, made like with edge cases um, uh, uh, considered yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Well tested, beautiful code. Like it's really um, whatever he did is always has has always um, a big trust factor for him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. The little bit of stuff that I did—that's sort of a trend that I saw. And since I, you see a lot of his stuff uh, on Twitter and well all over the place. So that—that's sort of. I found the first few things and saw that they were really good, and Mm -hmm. yeah, basically same experience. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So, did you see this? um, Like the. in defense of .js thing going on?
1: I saw a blurb about it two weeks ago, but right now I couldn't tell you anymore what it was about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh,
0: what it's about is that there is is like a proposal. So basically the node people are trying to figure out how to implement ES6 modules in node, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a different syntax. So a node, as you know, you just do var blah 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 equals require whatever module, and um, in ES6 you have you you say import da 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 from module name, and then you can do destructuring, where you can just import the default value from that module, or you can import um, just a specific export from that module file, and. <clears throat> So and those two kind of ways of doing modules are not compatible because they're a little bit different. Um, it's just how they work. And so they have to do, in Node, they have to kind of, uh, they have to, man, I'm missing a word again, uh, basically figure out what kind of module system are you using right now, right? And so what are you importing from are you importing from a normal common js module or are you importing from a es6 module and in order to do that um, uh, in order to distinguish that the proposition I think was to do to use a different file extension for es6 modules so M .mjs instead of Ah,
1: now I remember. Yes, yes. Right? Okay. And
0: and there's uh, a lot of people that are very uh, sad about having to maybe, you know, maybe having to write, have a different file extension. And uh, so there is, like, now a debate going on. I actually have no idea where this debate is at right now. I think it's still kind of being debated, um, but I'm not sure. But the debate, at least at that point when I read it, was about um, using MJS as a new file extension, or to basically state in the package JSON what your module, what type of module you have. So, but I don't. I guess in the package JSON of the module, you basically say, okay, this is an ES6 module or a common JS module. So.
1: Yeah, so so this is this is to reduce the overhead of of trying to figure that out. Is that what that is?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. So there yeah.
1: has to be like
0: there has to be a clear indication to mm-hmm. the to to like the node, whatever, uh, engine or whatever uh, you want to call it, or the bindings or whatever. They they need to there needs to be like some sort of if else thingy going on where they can one hundred percent determine. What kind of module is this? Is without you know too much work, so that's why they need either the package J something or or the file extension. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So there is a there's some rumblings there. Mm. And I think that as as far as I have seen, um, the uh, Ember people are also pretty outspoken about. So so Yehuda Katz and Tom Dale were also kind of commenting in that thread. So
1: but in, in what direction are they leaning, do you remember or do you know?
0: Um I think it was they were in defense of JS, basically. Okay. That was this where this comes from, this article or kind of readme file that somebody wrote <coughs> up. I think it was a collaboration of let me get st- let me just check real quick. I think it was a collaboration of
1: Yeah, I think I pulled people. it up. I yeah. saw that. Um,
0: oh yeah, so Yehuda Katz, Katz was also um, participating so Dave Herman, Yehuda Katz and Carrie D. Patino they they wrote this, uh, this document in defense of .js and they were uh. basically um, ar- arguing for the package JSON solution mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but uh, it was actually too long so I didn't read it <laughs> <laughs> I think I had that same problem. <laughs> yeah, but it's but uh, I like to kind of just notice that that's going on, and then yeah. if I have time and I really want to get invested in it, I, I, I really get into it
1: and read it. But um,
0: I, yeah, I, I think really it's something I
1: saw on Nuzzle, uh, where yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know I get my I get my summary every day or whatever, and then if yeah. I get past the little paragraph that sort of is the teaser in your email. I click over to that and then I think on this particular one I'm like, oh, this is too much again. I can't <laughs> have time
0: for that. <laughs> I mean it's super involved also, like yes, yeah. you know, like there's some deep thinking going on as you know, whatever Buddha right. right. is involved, there must be some deep thinking there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was the defense of the Dutch Yeah. Also um what I wanted to um, kind of link to in the show notes because I think it, it is exciting, is that uh, good old Mr. Andre Stoltz, who is the author of the CycleJS library, he he announced at CycleConf, CycleConf uh, was just also a few weeks ago or, or, or something like that. Um, also, the videos are all up, as far as I know, of the talks. He announced XStream, which is... Or extreme, <laughs> uh, which is basically a library like RxJS. It's uh, it implements the observable type, um, but it is um, basically tailored to what what you need in CycleJS. Meaning it is it is much more reduced than what what RxJS is. RxJS is uh, bigger has m- many more operators i think it's 100 and something 180 or something like that operators and in in extreme you only have um, <clears throat> 26 core cool operators and factories and it's uh, it's very very small it's it's just as fast as <clears throat> the new version of rxjs and it's also more intuitive so there's uh, certain things that are just a little bit easier to understand when you use it, uh, especially for the use case of using it in um, in CycleJS, where you use it to manage um, your application state, your UI state, and so forth, and you implement um, this unidirectional data flow pattern that um, he introduced with CycleJS, um, and and this is yeah, it's just really awesome. So. <clears throat> I would just encourage you to have a look at this if you're interested. Um if you just need a small kind of you know uh,
1: it's observ- basically it's a, it's a subset of the full thing. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it's the most important or yeah. the most common things and you can get by with it probably I don't know maybe 90% of the time or something like that.
0: Exactly Uh Yeah. They also have they also have more operators but um you have to explicitly include them if you want them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you have 26 cooperators operators and, and it's just very small, it's fast, and it's just more intuitive. So they just renamed some of those operators. They don't use exactly, the not at all in all places, they don't use exactly the same um, names for the operators, which makes it a little bit more intuitive. Um, uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So would it make sense to start with something like this because it's maybe easier yeah, and more intuitive and then yeah. to grasp the concepts?
0: Totally, totally. It, 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 it's, for instance, what, what it also um, um, does is that all the streams in, um, in Xtreme are um, hot by default. And what that means is in RxJS, you have the concept of cold Observables and hot observables, and the difference between those two is that you can have you can so there's this uh, subscribe function that you can use in order to subscribe to an observable stream, right? So you will you will create a stream from, for instance, a socket connection, or you will create a stream from uh, like user clicks or something like that, and And if you have multiple points in your application that subscribe to that so you have multiple subscribers that want that want to receive that data whenever it happens um <clears throat> the uh, cold stream means that it functions you you can basically um you can visualize it like a YouTube video it just like each subscriber that subscribes to that stream will get the whole stream, like the whole set of events that, 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 that pass through that stream will get that from the first event to the last event. So if a few events happened, so, so one person, one part of your application subscribes to that stream. After the subscription, events happen, like one, two, three events pass through. And then after some time, another subscriber subscribes to that. Those one, two, three events that already happened will happen again for that subscriber yeah so it's 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 like if, it's like when you sit down and watch a youtube video like you you watch it from the beginning to end, and everybody else who watch it that, watches that youtube video they get also the whole video from beginning to to end asynchronously it doesn't it doesn't matter when you watch it when you subscribe mm-hmm. so to speak and and a hot observable is is um comparable to a youtube live stream where when you start subscribing to that live stream or start watching that live stream you just get what just happens and right. and, and uh, every other person that also starts watching that live stream will only get from that point on in that live stream what happens they only get that stuff right and that is the same as a, as a hot observable that where if a subscriber subscribes, the first subscriber subscribes, a few I- events happen a second subscriber subscribes um, and, and like, but one, two, three events have already passed. This subscriber will not get those events. It will only get the events that pass. So, so the fourth event and the, fi- the fifth event, both subscribers now will get, right? So that's basically that's the default how you like a normal event emitter works, right? Like that's how you assume streams would work by right. default.
1: That's a good analogy too, makes it easy to understand.
0: Yeah. And and, and in an RxJS I think the default is actually cold, which is not as intuitive as yeah. having them work just like event streams, uh, like events, uh, event emitters. <clears throat> and in extreme because it makes a lot of sense because you're managing UI state meaning that you are using streams to manage UI state it means that you 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 want Basically, you want to translate user interaction into state changes of your application. So you're just you're really interested um, in what just happened and not like memory of you know all the things that ever happened um, mm-hmm. whenever a subscriber subscribes. So <clears throat> so that is one way how Extreme is a little bit more intuitive, and the other way is that it is. Um, a little bit more intuitive when it comes to the uh, naming of the operators, and uh, yeah and it's, cool. it's just it's just amazing. I mean he I don't know he, I think he did it with uh, another community member of the cycle j.s community, and just uh, yeah, whip that out a whole nice. little library uh, implemented yeah so
1: that's cool. that's what's up in the cycle world. mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, it's all about making things simpler, and if that's doesn't come with too many uh, negatives, that's that's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: All right. Well, I'm all out of topics, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, th- I still have a few topics, but I think we're we're at the end of the. Uh,
1: yeah, that's true. Uh,
0: end of our time. So. Yep. Uh, I guess we can.
1: Well, too bad we couldn't do a triple time zone podcast with you in Thailand, me in (laughs) Germany, and Raquel in the States.
0: That's true. What a thing cool. But uh, hey. Uh, Next time. Sometime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll keep dreaming. Yeah.
1: The dream of the triple time zone podcast. (laughs) So I'm just fetching new reviews here. I don't... See anything new since last time? Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know oh, of any super new?
0: Super sad. Yeah. So sad. Oh my god. And man. I hope it's not just I think user I'm
1: cried. Huh? dumb dumbness. I hope it's not user. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, 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 did you, you? You're not. You're not sure if you know how to scroll or? Well, fetch <laughs> fetch reviews. I don't know. Does that? Yeah, it does. It does fetch reviews. Click on fetch reviews, and then it does refresh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Actually, we have to make some more uh, noise about Fido though. Like it's I think it's um fido.surge.sh is the URL, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We should definitely link this up because it's a really cool tool that um, anybody can use. So if you have a podcast and you want to you want to ha- you want to have you want to have an easy way to to um, look at your reviews worldwide. In, in your in the iTunes App Store, then um, you can go to fido.surge Surge and you can basically put in the ID, the iTunes uh, ID or the iTunes URL of the podcast, and then it will just fetch it. and You can I think you can also f- you can say you only want to see um, you only want to see uh, reviews from one country or you want to see reviews from all countries and we will always show the newest reviews up top and yeah. it it looks pretty nice it was done by two um reactive listeners it was done by Silas Silas did the programming i think it was done in react and there's a is there anything else i don't know i don't think so and um and design was done uh was done by Ollie i think so very it's really nice. cool. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just running there and you can just use it. It works all client side and
1: it's great. So if you have a podcast, you should definitely check that out. One cool little addition would be if you could search for the podcast by name. But, yes, uh, of course. <clears throat> yeah.
0: But I think, I don't know if that's even, well, because iTunes doesn't really give you anything, uh, doesn't give you any. Yeah, true. Specific, they don't uh, have their APIs or. Yeah you yeah. need to do it with the with the ID but you can mm-hmm. just but you but how you can do it is that you can go you go to uh, iTunes you search for your podcast you find your podcast and then there's um when you're on your podcast page in iTunes there is this what is it like get button or something like that and you can just get click on the little arrow and then there's a menu and then you can choose um get link to this podcast or something like that. And that link you can use in FIDO then. So it's not that difficult to get to that. Yep. Line, so it's okay. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's really, it's really cool. So, and also you don't need to scroll anymore actually. Right. So it's all <laughs> up top. <so>. It's, <laughs> it's so, uh, properly sorted. <laughs> yeah. So um, it actually is, should be foolproof <laughs> or heading proof. <laughs> Almost. <laughs>
1: It's not ending Proof. No,
0: it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and oh, there was something looks else nice. I wanted to say that I forgot. Damn. Was it anything I wanted? I wanted to announce something. Why did I want to announce something?
1: Oh, dear. About no, Slack? Fido. No, I don't know. Shit.
0: I won't have to. I just have to do it in Slack. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, uh, oh, let's have a look. Um, So the thing is, I think I'm the only person who can actually go to that page where it shows the team changes.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Because it is... So I have to go to account. Because it's like the billing... Slack overlord. It's the billing thing, and I created the Slack. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? So... Um. Uh, but I forgot where it was. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't really help if you're the overlord and uh, you don't know. You really don't know. Where. <laughs> oh, billing. I have to go to billing. So, and then we have team changes. So, 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 so. When was the latest podcast?
1: A week last ago. One.
0: A week ago. That was what date it was. Uh, the eleventh. The eleventh. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So, did you shout out Felix Jung already? Last time um, you must have. I don't that. remember. I don't know. <laughs> I okay, so, so if if not, then we'll shout out. Hey, Felix Jung, welcome. Then uh, on Saturday, May the fourteenth, Dennis Schipper joined the team. He is. Mm. What is his name in the? Let me see, because it doesn't show the username, it just shows the real name. Dennis Shipper is Orcdork, Orcdork, <laughs> and uh, that was that was it. We only have one new member since
1: all right. since the eleventh.
0: So big up all the new followers, uh, not followers, all the new uh, uh, slackers. And uh, what is with Fred? Fred, did we did we already big up Fred? I don't know. Anyway, the Slack chat uh, is awesome. You can find it in the show notes uh, to every episode, as well as the link to the iTunes page where you can re- we can where you can send us reviews, which we will always read out loud and be very happy about. Uh, that's why that's why we're so we're so sad um, <laughs> at the end of this episode because there's no reviews. Anyway.
1: Um, what else? Um, well, right? I'm H. Gladdergatz on Twitter, and uh, Raquel is Rockbot. And
0: right. I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter, and we are Reactive. Khalil Tweets. That's right. And we are a reactive pod on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that was All it. All
1: right. Well, hey, have a safe trip back and enjoy the last few hours in, with your toes in the sand. Thank you. <laughs> We'll do before you come back and yeah. we'll talk to you when you're in mm.
0: europa again yes is it, are we all together again next next week hello hello, hello. Uh, you just went away there for a second oh, oh, oh okay this is a clear sign that we really have to stop anyway yep. are we going to be all together again next week do we know uh, i believe so
1: yes that's awesome
0: cool yes all right so uh have a have a good end of your day.
1: Or same to you. Yeah. Rest of your day. All right. All right. Talk Goodbye. to you next week. Talk to Bye. you. Next week. Bye. Bye.